Hey guys, Jeremy here. Welcome to the Everyman Livestream. You know, I just want to say to all of you that are tuning in right now, whether you're on a run, driving in your car, in the middle of a business trip, at your church, with your men's group, or just sitting in your favorite chair at home, God is on the move in your life, and you are part of a movement of men who are becoming dangerous with goodness through the Spirit of Christ. Now we're starting a new series called With God. So to get you ready for today's message from God's Word, let me ask you a question. Have you ever let how you are feeling on the inside affect how you relate or connect with people on the outside? Now the bottom line is that all of our relationship stories are inside stories. What is inside of us will eventually leak out from us and into our most important relationships, for better or for worse. And no feeling inside destroys relationships faster and more effectively than fear. Fear is powerful. Fear can be subtle. Fear wants to control your connection to God. Now the good news is that we all battle fear as men. The bad news is that it can ruin your connection to God. So all I can say is, suit up and prepare your spirit. It's going to be a powerful time together. Now, but before we dive into today's study, think about all the people connected to you and realize they're fighting the same battle with their own fears and you sharing this powerful session with your friends can make the difference in their life. So take a second and share this live stream now. Now, let's go live to Crossline Church in Laguna Hills, California and join men's expert and pastor, Kenny Luck for part one of our study with God. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to everybody that's watching uh, online uh, to the Everyman podcast here at Crossline Church, and uh, if you guys are with us, uh, you can open a Bible to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. There's a verse there we're going to start out with uh, in a second, but I want to start this new series called With God, asking a couple questions, all right? First question, how many of you would agree that relationships can start off one way and turn into something different? <laughs> I wish everybody out there could have heard the, the size in, in this room. All right, second question. Uh, how many of you would agree that people can use people, knowingly or unknowingly, to get their needs met? All right, so, you know, relationships start off one way, they turn into something else, and then what you feel is, I'm getting worked, all right? Okay, how many of you would agree that fear in a relationship can leak into and affect and ruin a relationship. All right, there's a lot of testimonies in the room about how relationships work, and that's what this series is about, with God. It's about God's intended design for how the relationship should flow versus sometimes what it can turn into, and sometimes how our fears on the inside just like it, it can ruin a relationship with a human being, it really can ruin your relationship with God because life is unpredictable, amen? That creates fears. Those fears over our future, then we want to control and, and try to get some, some predictability in there. And so whether it's with people or with God, it's human to do that. In any relationship. Look at what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 about life on earth. And then we're going to unpack that a little bit. All right. Let's read Ecclesiastes 9.12 together. Ready? As fish are caught in a cruel net 
or birds are taken into a snare, so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly on them. I mean, that's life on earth. Unexpected things happen. How many of you just love unexpected, unwelcome things happening in your life? All right, no. So what, where do we put the energy? We put the energy into making them predictable. Control, amen? You see, like me, I grew up in a very chaotic house as a young man for 18 years. And so as an adult man, guess what my life became about? Making things predictable and orderly and things that I can expect. Why? Because it was so chaotic. And you know, that, that's okay. That's normal. That's human. But you know, that, that formation, that desire to, to make things predictable and control things, man, that, that spells ruin for human relationships. Because I project what's inside to my outside into my relationships with people and with God. So let's, let's just kind of admit a couple things. You can write these down. Life is two things. It's unpredictable and messy. Amen? Yeah, it's unpredictable and it's messy. And when you have unpredictable and messy, man desires control and self-rule. Man desires control and self-rule. And the driver behind all of that, write this down, it's fear. It's fear. You know, this is nothing new. Uh, we see this happening in the garden, all right? You know, the garden message to Adam and Eve. Oh, God's trying to, you know, he's controlling. And the reason he put that boundary there is because to keep you from something really cool, he's going to know that your eyes are going to be opened. And all of a sudden, where there was no fear, all of a sudden, there's FOMO. Okay, right? Okay, there's FOMO. It's like, oh, Really? My gosh, what am I missing out on? And so in that fear, Adam takes control, right? Exercises his self-rule, right? To get his needs met. And that fear ruined two relationships with God and with his woman, okay? Now there's strife and there's enmity and he's hiding in, in the garden. Now, as we walk this road on earth, right, and there's unpredictable things out there that we really don't want to harm us. Do you think Satan has a stake in stoking your fear and trying to get you to control and make predictable your life? And you see, the reason why he likes to stoke fear, because he wants to do the same thing he did with Adam and Eve. He wants to ruin your relationship with God. And here's how he does it very subtly and, and very simply based on our fear that he already knows is there. There's, there's a few ways that he likes to do that, all right? Now, on your notes, it says, ways we relate to God out of fear. And it's super subtle, and some, some of these styles of relating to God are celebrated, okay, in church and among believers. The first way of relating to God out of fear is life from God, all right? And what's the goal of life from God? It's blessings from God, not God himself, so life is hard. When life is hard, it feels bad. And God can help me with that. All right? God can bring blessings into my life to kind of mitigate all the hard things that happen walking on a broken planet with broken people, with unpredictable things. Like it said in Ecclesiastes, trapped by evil times, 
I can relate to God out of my fear and really just want blessings from God, but not God himself. The second way that we can relate to God out of fear is life over God. And the goal of life over God is, you know what? Uh, life is unpredictable, and God has a lot of wisdom and knowledge, right? And if I can connect to God and get that wisdom and knowledge, that wisdom and knowledge can be the foundation, the organization of the way I do my life. And I can live life better, and, and I, can, I can have a better life if I can just get what God knows, and then he's going to tell me how to live, and that's going to smooth out, right, the rough spots. Less unpredictability, more predictability. So that's the second way that we relate to God out of fear. And, and I want you to see that the goal isn't bad, it's just not God himself, right? How many of you, in relating to another person, sense when they're kind of connecting to you and they're saying the right things and they're, they're, they're in the right spaces and they're being polite and courteous and all that, but you know that you know that they have an agenda and it's not you. It's what you know and it's what you can give them. All right, that's what we're talking about here, all right? Let's talk about the third way that we can relate to God out of fear, and that's life for God, and this is probably the most celebrated way of relating to God, and the goal of life for God is accomplishments. Hey, by association, I'm on God's team, and I can be great, and I can do great things, and I can be on God's team, and by association, that helps me feel significant and gives me meaning. Now, in and of itself, it's not bad, but it's not the primary way God wants to re you to relate to him. Thought about doing stuff, right? And so if you're God, you're like, wow, he's connecting to me and he's got accomplishments on his mind, but not me himself. It's his need to be great and do great things, all right? Not me, myself, not the relationship, all right? So that's another way that we can relate to God out of fear. The fourth way and final way that we're gonna talk about this morning is life under God. And this is very common, and that's, you know, you know, I obey and he blesses. It's just cause and effect, right? And, and the goal of that kind of relationship of life under God is order. Man, God, I'm really glad you exist because you can bring order to my life because you say this and I do it, and then you do things, all right? Now, like I said, none of those ways of relating to God are, uh, are wrong in and of themselves, that there's an aspect to each of those that has a grain of truth, all right? I want God to bless me. How about you, okay? I love that God knows more than I do, and he can tell me what he knows because he's smarter. How about you, right? I love being on God's team, and I love being a part of this glorious kingdom life that he has, and I get to share in it, okay? How about you, right? And I actually like his leadership. I mean, there's shepherd and sheep, I don't mind being under Jesus because, you know, that there's, there's blessing in that. But in all of those ways of relating to God, okay, I'm not relating to God himself as a person. And the result is this. Write this down, okay? It's religion versus relationship. Those ways of relating to God get you good religion, but they're not winning you relationship with God. In other, way, in other words, I'm relating to God using my template 
based on my needs and my fears. God's helping me control my circumstances. God's giving me wisdom to make a better life. God's making life more predictable. God's, but I'm missing his person uh, in the process. And so when you see that and you see our tendency that there's our way of relating to God to deal with kind of the unpredictability and fears of life, and then there's God's intended design, don't miss the point of relationship with God. And that's life with God himself. Life with God himself. All right? Jesus talks about this in John chapter 17. He is uh, talking to God. He's in the red zone of his mission. All right? He's in the final 20, 10 yards. He's ready to go to the cross. He's ready to suffer and die and be crucified and resurrect and ascend to heaven and, and let the birth of the church begin and send the Holy Spirit. But before that, he's having a conversation with the Father. It says this in John 17. Jesus looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Let's finish it together. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Do you notice what Jesus did not say? Now this is eternal life that you bless them. Now this is eternal life that you tell them all that you know. Right? Now this is eternal life that they feel great for being on the team. Right? Now this is eternal life. You give commands and they obey them. No, it says this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Right? Circle that. This is eternal life. Circle that. And then circle know you. And then connect the two. Right? This is really important. Because you can make a connection to God about a lot of things. All right? But this is the primary thing. Because Jesus is saying, hey, an eternal life, that's with God? That means knowing him. That's primary. That's, that's called relationship. Isn't that the way it is in human relationships? What do you do when you first begin a relationship with God? You get to know the other person, okay? And then it might evolve into something, and as you get to know the person, you want to know them more, all right? So if I don't want to miss God's intention for relationship with him, I need to see a few things very clearly that clarify and bring maximum satisfaction, listen, to God. I got to see a few things really clearly uh, and, and be clear on those things so that this relationship brings maximum satisfaction to God so that he sees and knows I'm in it for the right reasons. All right, and the first thing I need to see, sounds so metaphysical, but I'll unpack it, is I need to see the core of the universe, all right? This is not, you know, astronomy class. We're not going to put up a slide about the Hubble telescope either. Here's what I'm saying. We got to see that behind all life, all time, all space, there exists God, and we need to see what's happening there to know what's happening when he comes, all right? And the place in scripture that we see what's happening at the core of the universe is when Jesus is baptized, right? Talks about what happens when heaven gets peeled back. In Matthew chapter three, verses 16 and 17, we have this moment and it's unprecedented in scripture. It's when Father, Son, and Holy Spirit reveal their relationship. 
goes like this. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, listen to what happens. Heaven was what? Opened. Okay? So we peel back all time, all space, all life. Heaven opens, and we get to see what's going on in the home of God, in the dwelling space of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right? At that moment, heaven was open. And he, Jesus, saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Let's finish it together. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So when you peel back all time, all space, all life, and you get to the core of the universe, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, what do you see? You see God existing within himself. Heaven's open. It reveals relationship. It reveals mutual support, mutual encouragement, mutual love, mutual delight, mutual blessing. That's what you see. And when you see that clearly, you can see what Jesus' purpose was for coming to earth, and that's to let you in to that. That life, that relationship, that connection, right? Now, we can make a relationship with God about a lot of things, but if we see the core of the universe, God existing within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we see it right here, man, we see mutual encouragement, mutual support, mutual delight, mutual love, mutual blessing. That's the life that's eternal, that's existing, and Jesus came to introduce us and to let us participate in that life with God. So that's the first thing we need to see. What's it like when you're in God's house? You know, you can know a person out in the business world, or you can know a neighbor. You can see him mowing their lawn and blah, blah, blah. But you know when you really get to know a person? When you go inside their house. When you go inside their home, and you see how they relate to one another, right? It's like, this is their real life. This is their safe space. This is their truest selves, Okay, what do we see there? Man, we see relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, mutual support, mutual delight, mutual blessing, mutual love, and mutual encouragement. The second thing we need to see to get relationship with God right is we need to see the coming of Jesus very clearly. Now, what's wonderful about the Bible is that the coming of Jesus was predicted. And then the, the, the presence of Jesus fulfilled the prediction and then when Jesus was here, he affirmed the prediction, all right? In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, we read a prophetic prediction of why God came to earth. And this is what it says. All right, then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, let's finish it together. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God God with us. In theological terms, they call it the incarnation. All right? Emmanuel, God with us. All right? God was with Adam. He was walking with Adam. There was no fear. There was connection. All right? There was God and there was man, and they were together. All right? The fall happens. Then God says, you know what? I'm not going to bail on the relationship. I'm going to launch a plan of redemption. I want to redeem what was lost. 
So I am going to send my son, and I'm going to be with man again. And I'm going to give him a chance to participate in this. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we have to see the coming of Jesus very clearly. Third, we have to see the cause of Jesus very clearly. If we want to do life with God versus from, over, for, or under God. Let's look at the first cause, the first purpose of Jesus in coming. It's in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Let's read it together. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what's the cause of Jesus? Why did he come? All right? He came to restore relationship. In human relationships, especially if you guys are married and have, you know, you've been married for any length of time, you know that relationships can be broken, and when they're broken, they need to be restored, right? Because you want to know the other person, right? You want that connection back. You want to be with them again and be at peace with them and mutually support each other versus mutually antagonize each other, right? You want to mutually um, bless one another versus mutually curse one another. Some of you know what I'm talking about right now, okay? But the reason Jesus came is to bring peace with God. It's to restore relationship. Secondly, we need to see that Jesus came to reproduce relationship. He talks about that in, in John chapter 17. Again, here's, here's that conversation. It's one of the, the most critical conversations because Jesus is kind of talking with the Father about why he came. So he was there and they were in relationship and existing within themselves and had this wonderful self-contained relationship. Now listen to him in reflection talk about the purpose for the whole thing, all right? Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone. The disciples is them. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be what? One, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. Listen to this. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So Jesus came to restore relationship. Jesus came to reproduce that relationship. When we peel back the core, when we peel back the universe, all time, all space, all matter, all life, and we see the, 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 the Godhead at the center of the universe, we see relationship, and then he says, they're in me, I'm in you, we're in them. They're in me, I'm in you, we're in them. They're in me, I'm in you, we are in them. Man, there's no cooler thing than to be invited into that relationship that's at the center of everything, right? So Jesus came to restore relationship. Everybody say restore relationship. Say reproduce relationship. And now say show me the way forward. 
Okay, that's the third reason why Jesus came. Now, when you look at Jesus, he's always issuing invitations to us because we've been invited into this relationship, but where are we existing? In perfect heaven or in the mess? Yeah, we're in the mess, all right? We're in the brokenness and mess and injustice and in evil, unexpected things happen. And so he's inviting us into relationship and he knows that we're gonna live out days here and why will he live here from this relationship with God? He's going to say, come to me, follow me, I'm the way, learn from me, All right, and show us the way forward. Look at what he says in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Let's read it together. Ready? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So just as Jesus left perfect relationship, came into the mess, had to live in it, all right, had to experience all the things that we experience, all the temptations that we experience, all the rejections that we experience, the fatigue that we experience emotionally, physically, spiritually. Jesus is saying, hey, come to me, learn from me, follow me. I will show you the way in the midst of this, a new way. Because wouldn't you agree, there's other ways to do life on earth other than God's way, right? Those are the rip-off ways, all right, where all of those fears that we have inside and that are generated from the unpredictabilities of life. We use other things and other paths, right, to make make life more controllable and more predictable and more significant, all right? And they're sponsored by the devil himself. Or we can enter into a relationship with God, and we can be connected with him, And we can see him clearly and see the coming of Jesus clearly and see the cause of Jesus very clearly, which was to restore relationship, reproduce relationship, and show me a way forward until I get to that moment when I enter into fully that relationship that Jesus talks about of you're in me, I'm in you, they're in us. Wow. So we're walking with Jesus. We're not ahead of Jesus. We're not behind Jesus. We're walking with Jesus in this life, and he is showing us the way, right? He's showing us the way. Right now where you are, I'm looking at this room, and I bet you there's a ton of guys out there watching online, and you're on a journey, and your path is your path. But Jesus is with you, and he wants to show you a better way forward in your relationships that are right next to you. Wives, kids, neighbors, friends, coworkers. He wants to partner with you. You see, guys, we have this existence here where we have our kind of our business and the affairs of every day. Amen? Okay? Then we have this relationship with God. And that operates not on an external level because Christ is in us. It operates on an internal level, right? So we're called into relationship with God in the midst of all our daily, regular, peanut butter and jelly, super normal stuff, right? but we get to do life with him and he can be with us through the Holy Spirit and he can speak into the way forward in all of this. Now there's, we can listen to our way forward 
We can listen to the world's way forward. We can listen to the devil's way forward. Or we can listen to Jesus' way forward. That's why he's always inviting. Come to me. Follow me. Learn from me. I will make this journey, okay? I'll give you peace in the midst, not in the absence of the brokenness of this life. I'm going to bring you peace in the midst of life. In fact, Jesus spoke into that. He said, my peace I leave you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you, right? You experience real peace not when all your problems are resolved or there's a catharsis. Real peace, the context of real peace comes in the midst of pressure. That's when you experience real peace. Not when everything's going right, not when you're on the yellow brick road, not when life's a bowl of cherries, it's when, wow, this world is hard, but I have a relationship with God. And Jesus is showing me the way forward in the midst of this. And he's not taking away all of my difficulties or delays or trials or tribulations. But he's speaking to me. And he's telling me who I am. And he's showing me a new way forward in the midst as I am in relationship with him. Everybody say, with him. Not from him. Not over him. Not under him or not for him, but I'm in a relationship with him. Amen? That's life. That's the life that God wants to give to you. But we have to see those things very clearly. Now, why are we talking about all of this? Because if we have a flawed vision of God, write this down. We have a flawed relationship with God. If we don't see very clearly when we peel back all time, all space, all matter, all life, if we don't see very clearly what's happening, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and what they're all about in their home, we're going to miss the point. And then our fears are going to take over, and God's going to become a tool that we use to manipulate to get our fears addressed and our circumstances more orderly, all right, which misses God himself. Now, can I just make a confession right here? Can we have a little cup of honesty? I do all of those things. I do all the very things that I, I said this relationship with God's not about. And I'm in this process of resetting my relationship with God back to its original intention, which is to know him, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you did send. You see, it's human nature to want to make life more predictable. Amen? Fear sabotages relationship. Let's say that together. Fear sabotages relationship. Right? When you're afraid on the inside, that leaks into your relationship. You become more controlling. You become more demanding. You become more distant if your needs aren't getting met. And so then you start to try to manipulate and, and, and leverage and, and use things to make your fears go down, whether it's in relationships with people or with God. That's not what God intended. And if we don't see very clearly what's at the core of this universe, of everything, the coming of Jesus, the cause of Jesus, we're going to miss the point. We're going to miss the purpose. You miss the point. You miss the purpose. You miss the blessing of knowing Jesus, right, and his person. So what's the bottom line of relationship with God, all right? Let's read Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46. Ready? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, 
When a man found it, he hid it again. Then, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had. Wow. Sold everything he had, and he bought it. You know what life with God is like? It's like treasure. But it's treasuring a person. It's like, what? I know God? Oh, my goodness. This is the best thing that's ever happened. I know God. That what, what a treasure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour everything I have into that one because it's God. And he's at the center of life. And he wants relationship with me, and I want relationship with him, and I want to know him. I don't want to use him to control my circumstances or to address my fears, because that's not really a relationship. That's manipulation. He just wants to walk with me. He wants to restore what Adam and Eve had through Jesus Christ. There's first Adam and second Adam. First Adam, he was a victim of FOMO, all right? And then he thought, oh, I'm missing out. I have to take control of this. I have to exercise control and self-rule because I'm missing out on something. I'm afraid. And that fear ruined his relationship with God. And then the second Adam came to restore relationship and re reproduce not a relationship where we go to God to get stuff, or to calm our fears or control our futures. We go to God to know God. To know him. And that means treasuring a person. Can I just say, in my own life, I'm not just resetting my relationship with God, but I'm resetting my relationship with my wife. I'm at a different place. I've raised my kids. I'm making one more college tuition payment, okay? Amen? Yes! But our house, our relationship, her workflow... Our relationship, we are in a transition. And you know what? I'm resetting my relationship with Chrissy. And God has spoken to me. He said, you need to treasure her. You need to treasure her person. See her. See who she is. See how wonderful she is. Go back to the beginning. Hold hands, flirt, chase around. Do all these things. And you know, it's interesting. In the book of Revelation, in the letters to the churches... One of the churches is Ephesus. And God says to that church, you know what, you do, you're doing all the right things, but you know what you forgot? Your first love. So it's like, hey, all this, you know, life from God, life over God, life for God, life, you know, all that stuff, that's great. Okay, and there's some good stuff in there. That's really about you. It's not about the relationship. And, you know, God just spoke to me there with respect to him, and then God said, you know what, what works with me will work with Chrissy. Why don't you go back to the beginning? Why don't you stare at her for a long time from across the room? All right? Why don't you, why don't you, you know, tell her how beautiful she is? Why don't you just tell her what you love about her? And like, you guys know this, but she doesn't, so don't say anything. Just, but she's feeling, I can see, I can see the change in our connection already. I can see the change. Now, 
I could be all about the other stuff, or I could be about this transition and what's happening with that. Man, I am having the best time getting to Reno, my wife. You know what? I'm having a good time getting to Reno, the Lord. Because it can be about a lot of stuff, but God wants relationship with me. And look at what it says here in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. This is a real heavy statement, but I think after talking what we've talked about, we'll get it. Let's, show, let, let's read this together. Ready? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Wow. I read that. I just go, wow, God's really good to me. And that should drive me to really want to know him. When someone's really good to you, you just really want to know them. You want to know what's behind that goodness. And you want to be with them, not get stuff from them, right? And so life is, God, thanks for the kindness that you've showed me in Christ. And thank you for your purpose in sending Jesus, which is relationship with you, all right? Or you can take that goodness and kindness and that intention for relationship and you can say to yourself, man, I need this connection to harness and control the unpredictable forces of my life. Subdue my environment and put my fears to rest. And isn't that the definition of sin? Isn't that the goal of Satan, to cloud God's real intention, pervert it through fear, and get me to seek self-rule and control outside of God. And when I can control things, I can call the shots. And when I call the shots, guess who's God? Me. So you see how all that life from God, life over God, life for God, and life under God really is a control thing? I'm trying to control the unpredictable forces of my life. I'm trying to subdue my environment. I'm trying to put my fears to rest. And I'm using God to do that versus relating to God and knowing God himself. And how do you feel in that relationship if you're God? Not connected, right? And so that's why this is really important. This is the spiritual battle, men. Life with God is not about Leveraging the relationship to make your life smooth. It's about knowing a person and treasuring a person. And we show contempt for the riches of his kindness when we make it something that it's not. Amen? Let's just agree. I do all of that. But God's going, you know what? That's not my intention. I want to let you into the core of the universe. I want to welcome you into my home. I want mutual connection, I want mutual support, I want mutual delight, all right? I want mutual blessing. Pretty cool. So I'm, I'm resetting my relationships. I'm resetting my relationship with God back to its original intention. And man, am I, I've known the Lord for 37 years. I feel like it's day one. I feel like it's day one. It's so cool. Maybe you need to reset to day one. God wants to. God wants it like day one. And see the original forces for the relationship. See what drew you to him. Treasure him. Sit with him more. Start hearing and listening to him more. Talk less. Listen more. Be interested. And then change your life 
Not because you want something, but because you treasure the person who's in your life. Amen? That's what walking with God is like. Let's bow our heads and pray. Jesus, we see how you prayed for us, those who would believe in you, through the message of the saints down through the generations of the centuries. And you wanted us to enjoy what you have, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Just as you are in the Father and the Father is in you, you said, may they also be in us. And when that happens, when we get to the original intention, you said, the world is going to believe that the Father sent you. When we get back to you and the Father, the Father and you, us and you, and you and us, that's when, thing, that's when we're going to transform. And when we transform, because of this relationship, people are going to see the glory of God. They're going to see energy like they've never seen before. Because we have discovered this amazing treasure, which is you. Not blessings from you, not wisdom from you, not greatness riding your coattails, and not order and predictability against the forces of life or our environment, but they see you in us. So Jesus, help us to reset our relationship with you. In your name, God's men said, amen.